Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Today's show is a follow-up on a previous show that I did a few weeks ago about gender identity and sexual orientation. The topic is vast and deep, and it's difficult to scratch the surface in just an hour or two even. And my experience in this area, as I mentioned before, um, is also limited, so I've invited Heather Eslian back for another opportunity to ed- educate us further. Heather is a licensed mental health counselor with a private practice in Sarasota, Florida, not too far from where I live and practice. Her primary focus is on the LGBTQIA community, and she's particularly passionate about her specialization in working with transgender and gender-expansive preteens to adults. She's often called upon to speak at local churches, schools, and other organizations to provide psychoeducation around the many barriers and inequities this vulnerable population faces, as well as to break down the myths and incorrect assumptions surrounding this beautiful and dynamic community. She believes trans and gender expansive people are a key to our societal liberation. So I wanted to say welcome to you, Heather, and thank you for agreeing to come on a second time so that we could talk about this topic, hopefully in a little bit more detail. I know we won't get to cover it to great length, but we will do the best that we can. Um, And just for people who may not have heard the first show, uh, if you could just start by helping us by defining gender identity and sexual orientation, just, just for the sake of clarity. Sure, sure, of course. So I, I would like to make sure that people understand from the get-go that gender identity and sexual orientation are very different things. Um, gender identity is who one feels they are in their soul, who their brain often tells them that they are, whereas sexual orientation is, their, is, their, is who they, they are interested in romantically or sexually. Who, who, you know, what gender or genders they are pursuing that way. So I like to simplify it by saying that, you know, um, sexual orientation is who you go to bed um, with, and gender identity is who you go to bed as. Um, that's a very big simplification, but it's a way for people to really understand that. That helps. It, I think the, if we can have lots of those sort of simple uh, definitions, characterizations, it just helps keep it straight in everyone's mind. So thank exactly. you for that. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. And then, yeah. sure. And then as far as the trans, you said the trans piece as well, just the transgender umbrella is that umbrella which contains all identities that are basically not cisgender. So cisgender means um, someone who identifies with the uh, assignment they were given at birth. So for example, I was assigned female at birth. And I agree in my brain and my heart that I am female. That is my experience in the world. Whereas a trans person of varying degree, uh, they could be trans, you know, trans male, trans female, they could be non-binary, but they are under an umbrella of people that are, are gender expansive, I call them. That's one way, you know, some people say gender non-conforming, but it's, it's, they don't have that same experience. They don't walk through the world the same way. So there's, there's differences in how they feel about themselves, and therefore we, we put them under one category and we say that they're trans. Okay, so that's a rather large umbrella as well because there's so many other subcategories underneath it. And I'm guessing that each one of those categories is important, although it may not be something we can go into here today. Um, but that yes, is their, that that is their identity, correct? So, and so therefore, correct, correct. and that and that's right. That that's the part um, that needs to be um, stated unequivocally. That is how they experience the world. That is their experience internally. Their for you know it's not something to invalidate or to make fun of or to um, 
uh, make assumptions about, and that's part of the problem with uh, how people relate to the trans community as a whole, is, is often there's so many misunderstandings, which we're going to get into later, but, um, but yes, that's, that's a piece of that, that puzzle there. So, so um, I, I like to say gen, gen, genitals don't equal gender. That's another way to put genitals don't equal gender. It's not the same thing. Right. I, I guess I want to interject here. I'm, I'm wondering, as happens with other situations when there is a lack of education or miscommunication, people use humor. So when you said make fun of, I feel that often society will do that probably because they don't understand. So I think for that reason, um, among many others, it is very important th uh, that you do the work that you're doing. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So, well, yeah. Go ahead. I wanted I'm sorry. <laughs> to. I, I wanted to go um, a little bit into, and I don't know if we talked about it last time, but into the pronouns. Um, often now, and it's not everybody, but um, many, many more people will, if they're sending an email, for example, will have their pronouns listed. Or if I have clients coming in my practice that are new. Uh, there's a space where they can write what pronouns they wish to use, but it creates uh, a lot of questions at times. It creates a sense of uncomfortableness. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, about the pronouns and why using the correct pronoun is important and how to know what to use and everything encompassing that. Right. And it's a big, Big topic, and I will say that at the end of what we talk about here, I'd like to um, bring to people's attention a resource that I found recently that was pretty cool. It's called mypronouns.org, and it's a website they can visit, and it really does a lovely job of explaining this stuff in great detail. And so we're not going to touch on every piece of it today, but I just think it's really important to have resources because a lot of people have a lot of questions about this. And so it's important to do your research and understand um, because the thing about pronouns is it really boils down to one word, respect, maybe two words, respect and validation. Okay. So just for example, if, if, you know, I saw you in a store, let's say I was, you know, I was a checkout person and you were coming through the store um, into the checkout lane and, and I was referring you to say, how are you doing today, ma'am? Or something like that. Right. You know, that's an assumption. Everybody makes assumptions. We all do it based on people's exterior presentation of what, of how they, they, um, of how they uh, identify. And the reality to that assumption is it's not always true. And that's where the breakdown happens. It's just not, you cannot just look at somebody and know how their gender identity is. You just can't. And um, so in making those assumptions, that's where the problem lies. And, you know, I can remember a, a quote from Laverne Cox once, uh, who's a, is a big advocate and, and activist in the trans community. She said, misgendering a trans person is an act of psychic or, or emotional violence. It's, wow. it's <laughs> denial of personhood. So that's huge, right? Right. Because, but, but often since people don't understand this because again, they're so used to being misgendered correctly. I mean, when I walk down the street and someone says she, or, you know, I, 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 I relate to that. I identify as she, but if they were calling me he, that would feel very vulnerable to me and very weird. And I'd feel like, why are they calling me that? You know, what's going on there? So again, we take it for granted. We have privilege around this. We take for granted. We're going to be, you know, gendered, you know, uh, the way we're, we're, we're wanting to be gendered. Um, so the, the thing I want to get across to people is it, it's about respect. It's about validation. Um, it's when, when, from my experience working with trans people, what they've told me repeatedly over and over again is when they're misgendered, it takes a toll on them every day. Let's say it happens five, six times in a day. That Each time that happens, it's like a little piece of their soul gets chipped away. Because again, they're not being seen for who they are. They're not being validated and respected for who they are. Now again, you can't always know by looking. And so that's the point. This is where the action has to come in on the part of the cisgender people. So what we have to say is, it's so important to listen to how people are addressed. If you're in a community setting, if you're in a group setting, listen to how other people are addressing this person who know them. 
That will give you some clues. But if you don't have those clues, the easiest way to remedy the situation, the most direct way is to say, hi, my name is Heather and I use she, her pronouns. That's how I would introduce myself. That's how I introduce myself to my groups. That's how I ask all my groups to introduce themselves to me. What are your pronouns? Not what would you prefer because it's not a preference. It's not right. a preference that I, that I say she or her. It's what I am. So you say, what, what pronouns do you use? And then they will hopefully reach out their hand to you and, and say the same thing back to you. And then you will know. So basically you're saying um, when in doubt, you just introduce yourself and you set the stage for how you would hope they would respond to you. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. And okay. And mistakes will happen. They will happen. And what I always say to people, it's the intention that is most important. So if you make a mistake, you just apologize sincerely, quickly, and you move on. You don't call attention to it because that can create more you know, turmoil for the person and more, more embarrassment. You just, you just say, oh, so sorry, I meant he. And then you move on to the, through the conversation. You don't belabor the point. But, so intention is what's most important. Yeah, I'd like to like to underscore that as well, because the comment I get from people that I come across in my work is that, well, how, how am I expected to know? And um, I wasn't trying to be rude, and the person got very upset. What do I do? And so I think on the part of the, the person who is making the reference to the pronoun, um, they have to also forgive themselves if they make a mistake uh, because it's just, absolutely. We're, absolutely. All, we're all learning. Exactly. Very, very important. We are all learning. And this is very new, especially for generations that are not millennials in particular. Millennials kind of bathe in this. Oftentimes their college experiences, their high school experiences, they already start to have these conversations where they instantly uh, just learn. It's very fluid for them to introduce themselves as Hi, my name is Heather, and I go by she, her pronouns. So it isn't common for us. So we have to give ourselves a learning curve and and trust that we're doing our best. But that said, um, there's a difference between doing this unintentionally and doing it intentionally. And I don't think most people want to intentionally hurt somebody. But there are people, unfortunately, that do intentionally misgender people. And again, that's why I say misgendering is a form of emotional violence against the community, because it's saying, I know you better than you know yourself, or you don't pass, or you aren't really who you're telling me you are. It's basically a complete invalidation of who this person is telling you they are. And that's what's that's what's so, um, you know, emotional about the process and that's why people get so you know upset with it because it just it feels like every at every turn they're being you know devalued and dehumanized and so that's where the the that that's where that all comes from so i guess i always like to look for the best in people and the best in their intentions and their interactions absolutely is it is it really a huge number of people, do you think, I mean, I don't know how we would even measure it, that are using the wrong pronouns intentionally? Um, yeah, just, yeah. So, yeah. It's just, hard for, happens, it's just hard for me I as an individual to, to believe yeah. that people would do that, but, but that's my own. Oh, it, <laughs> it happens all the time, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. This is a part of the population most people aren't familiar with they don't realize all the slings and arrows they must endure and I see it every day in my office I see it every day I see you know with loved ones it's particularly hard for for various reasons but what I hear from my trans clients is when it's a loved one making this misgendering it's so much more hurtful than when it's a stranger most people when it's a stranger they can they can slough it off and you know to to a great extent but when it's a, a loved one who's purposely saying I'm not going to honor who you tell me you are. That is particularly painful. And I see it with kids and parents. And I'm always very, you know, I I reach out empathy to both parties. I say, look, your mother gave birth to you. If it's a mom of a trans kid, she's trying her best. But I can see there's so much pain in the mom's eyes. And, And so it's like, 
both parties are suffering, but from very different things. So there has to be a lot of empathy extension for both those experiences. But again, it is something to, to just have really open conversation with because I feel like people are afraid to ask these questions and it's so important that we have these conversations. And again, mistakes will happen. Intention is what's important. Showing someone respect is what's most important here. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned to me that yeah. trans is an adjective and not a noun. We have about half a minute left before the commercial yeah. break. So can you quickly start us on that road? Sure. Yeah. Yes, I'll quickly just run through it. So trans is an adjective. It is not, not a noun. Um, we, say a tr we say this is a trans individual, not a transgender or transgendered. We don't use that because turning a describing adjective into a defining noun is dehumanizing. So um, it, it's, just, it's just a matter of, of getting used to that speak, because again, it's a descriptor. If, if I'm a lesbian, I'm a, a, a lesbian individual, I'm not a, a pejorative term. If I'm a, a gay man, I'm not a gay. I'm a gay man. You see what I'm saying? So it's a description. If your ethnicity is African-American, you're an African-American individual. So, I mean, this is what we're just trying to work toward here. Right. That, that's really interesting. And I want to continue this conversation, but we need to go to a short commercial break. So please stay sure. tuned. We're trying to understand some of the terms and issues related to gender identity, trans and inequities in today's world. If you have questions, you can email me, Dr. Vidisha Patel at drvforkids at yahoo.com. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC, managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm in conversation with Heather Eslian, therapist and advocate specializing in gender inequities and in trans individuals. Um, Heather, before the break, we were just talking a little bit about trans as an adjective and not a noun, and I hope I just used it correctly when I introduced yes, us you did. coming back. Um, yes. So that's an important thing to remember because when we transform trans into a noun, we are doing something that is dehumanizing and insulting. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Right. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, the other th thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit is the confusion with the they and them pronouns. I think a lot of people get confused. The, the she, her, he, him, we can understand, but the they, them gets confusing. So can you talk about that? Yes, of course. So um, um, they, them 
it's, it's an interesting thing. I was an English major my former life uh, when I was an undergrad, and language is very important to me, and, and I know words matter very much, which is why pronouns matter very much, because they are about a person's identity and how they view themselves. So when we see they, them pronouns, it's usually about non-binary folks who really don't identify as either gender often. They feel somewhere on the continuum or they feel like they don't represent either gender. And so they, them feels like a more comfortable way to be addressed. Um, this, this is also true of gender queer persons sometimes. Again, this is an individual thing. I cannot stress that enough. So asking the person is what's most important or, or you know, getting that information. But, but non-binary folks are usually the ones who tend to use they, them um, just as a blanket statement. Now, I will say this, people will come to me and say, well, they, them isn't, isn't a pronoun. And I'll say, actually not true. If you look <laughs> in the dictionary, I mean, think about it from this perspective. If I were to say, you know, Vidisha went to the store, I could also say they went to the store, right? Right. I mean, we use it all the time in our language and it's not problematic in the least. I've never had a problem with it, but somehow people get their, their feathers all ruffled when, when they're told they have to identify to someone as they, them. Mm -hmm. It really isn't that difficult. It's really what we, it, because again, this is about a person's respect. It's about our own respecting ourselves and respecting others. So when it comes to that, that's not a hard change to make, I would argue. So it really isn't as, as difficult as it may seem. <laughs> you know, I think actually when I've talked to older, the older generation about this, what they will often say to me is that if an individual person says that they identify as they, them, the older person who is hearing this gets confused because for their lifetime, they have an image of what an individual, what a human individual looks like and that they yeah. throws them off because they're trying to register something that they can relate to. And so right. it's, it's a learning process and it's, it's a shift in perspective through the, through the generations, I think. Most so. definitely, most definitely. And the world is shifting greatly, I would argue. And, I mean, and we all have to, kiddos, we have to adjust. Yeah. We, and we do, and that's the reality. Everything shifts. You know, the, think of the last hundred years of this country, everything shifts. You know, the, the advancement of civil rights, the advancement of social justice on all levels has shifted. And as we know more, we get more educated, and we, we're able to, um, you know, uh, do more and be, be more educated and be more enlightened. And that's what it's all about. So yes, I know older people have a struggle with this and, and I get that, but everything has changed since their generation. It's, it's a new world. And I would argue they felt the same when they were ch children. And I'm sure they were saying that to their parents. This is what goes on and on and on in the generation. So this is just another part of our evolution as a human species. And this is what's happening. So we can either, you know, educate ourselves, be good allies, learn to do that, or we can just say, stay in our narrow minds and say, well, we, we're not interested in learning about this. It's important, so we should, we should want to learn about it. Right. So, you know, so I guess I would encourage listeners who struggle with this to be open-minded, to take their time to forgive themselves, and yes. to keep trying, because exactly. it's, it's only as we keep trying that we will adjust more and more. Um, so exactly. there, exactly. There's, there's several things that I want to go into that I want to make sure we don't run out of time for that. And that's, and the big one really is a, a lot of the myths that, and the incorrect information that's out there on the trans community. And I know there's lots and lots of different myths out there, but I'm hoping that you can walk us through maybe some I don't know, maybe the top five, the top three, however, if you can even right. distill it to right. that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, like you just said beautifully, there are, are so many, so many mythologies out there, so much incorrect information, but I'm just going to go through uh, a few. These aren't necessarily the top ones, but these are the ones that I noticed the most, maybe um, just for the sake of brevity. But the first one, and probably the most important one for me as a mental health therapist, is this idea that is perpetuated from from generations to generation that trans people are mentally ill that there is this history of pathology pathology i can't even speak today <laughs> pathologization if i can get that word out of my mouth that has has transcended their experience and and the dsm 
uh, as we both know and use, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual that tells us what the, you know, that, that categorizes people by pathology, categorizes the, the different um, mental health illnesses, has removed from the DSM in 2013, gender identity disorder was removed. And that, it sounded even bad, disorder. It's a right. disorder. It, it, it never was a disorder. It was a diversity issue. So they had the final wherewithal to say, okay, this, we've got to remove this. We've got to stop pathologizing these people. It's, it's not helping at all. It's hindering them. So we moved it to gender dysphoria. And, and so that is less pathologizing. It still encompasses what happens, which is there is a lot of dysphoria living in a transphobic world. So yes, that's, and, and because of that, there's anxiety and depression and self-harm and different things that materialize out of that. So that's, that's a way to categorize that experience a little bit more humanely now. Um, so that's one of the, the major uh, the major uh, mythologies that I have to break down often for people. Well, um, not to put you on the spot, but do you think it even belongs in the uh, in the DSM? I, I don't really feel gender dysphoria belongs in the DSM at all. And there are teams of people working on it so that the next DSM probably won't have it. Okay. The problem there, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because the reality is people have needed to have um, because of the way trans healthcare has worked, and you can t- you know can check out WPATH for more information on this. But because of of the, the history of trans care in this country, we've sort of needed to have a paper trail, if you will, to some degree for insurance purposes. So as more services are starting to finally be covered with insurance for trans care, it's helpful to have these 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 sort of paper trails of what the person has gone through, what their diagnosis is so that they can get surgeries and different things, medically necessary treatments. So that's why it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. I don't believe it should be, but again, it's it's more complicated than a black and white issue. But I will say, yes, I would not be surprised if it would come out of the DSM on the next uh, invocation. Well, because I just feel that if we are um, transitioning to a world where we're much more accepting and open and understanding of how we're all so different and unique, then, you know, it wouldn't make sense to have that as a category, but, but yes, exactly. it is, it is much more complicated exactly. than that, but it, um, but yeah. certainly something to think about. But you're right. Um, exactly. Exactly. So, so another, what, uh, what, oh, what else sorry. would you have? <laughs> Yeah. So another one, another one might be that trans people are confused or they're tricking others by their identities. Um, so here's a way I can reframe this for people so that cis people can get wrap their heads around it a little bit. Sometimes I'll ask a cis family member, you know, wh- how do you know what your gender identity is? So if I asked you, Vidisha, how, how, how do you know what your gender identity is? How did you know? When did you know you were a girl? When did you know you were a female? What would you answer that question with? Probably with, I don't know. I just always thought I was. It just wasn't. I think there were a lot of societal um, influences that taught me that I was. Um, and it was not really discussed as exactly. being, an, being an issue or a concern or something to make a decision on. Exactly, exactly. And I would argue that you just knew innately that's how you were in the world. It made sense to you. Um, And so, I mean, I'll just say for myself, it made sense. I felt female internally and it made sense to me. But that's how people respond. I don't know. I just know. And they look at me quizzically like, well, of course, right? Right. Um, But what I'd argue here is it's it's really the same for trans folks intrinsically they are no different from us they still they have their own gender identity that they feel internally true for them Um, and the reasons they sometimes appear to have I guess what I'd call confusion about it is is not about their own internal struggle as much as it is about the transphobia they're surrounded by that invalidates them and says they're not who they say they are they couldn't possibly be it it does a huge number on a person's psychological and emotional well-being and so it's it's not actually 
internal confusion often. Although I will say, sometimes people really do need to have some space to figure things out. It's not the easiest thing to navigate in a transphobic world. Sometimes there does need to be times and stages for people to go through and say, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I feel non-binary right now, or maybe, maybe, you know, maybe non-binary is a stepping stone to getting to, to trans. It's not for everyone, but I just want to say we have to give people the space to figure themselves out. It's a very important part of what I do. But I will say that by and large, it's not about the confusion on their part. It's about the confusion about other people. So I just want to really make that distinction um, as best I can there. Well, so I have a question there. Um, you talked about non-binary possibly being a stepping stone to trans. So is it possible? Right. Because I've had clients actually who I've seen over the years on and off. And when they've, each time they've come, they've uh, commented on themselves, on their identity as being something different. So right. at one point they were pansexual, another point they were um, they were trans. You know, it, it was it was shifting, and so can that happen? Can you go back and forth, or is that just their process of thinking things through? Yeah, I would argue it's it's a processing. There's there's um it's it's a complicated topic, and it's a little hard to get into detail. You know, right now in this moment, but it, it's. It's your identity. It's everything to you. And so therefore, it doesn't just, it's not like they often, they always wake up and they say, oh, I know who I am. It's not, it's not the soundbite that people think it is where, you know, we've been given this soundbite that, you know, I knew since I was four years old and I just knew. And there are kids that are like that. I absolutely agree. There are many children that are like that, especially now, because there's more information out there. There's more ability to be themselves. There's more flexibility. But by and large, it, it's, a, it's a winding process, much like it is with sexual orientation for some folks. Because, again, because of the stigma that we live under, because of the inequities, because of the, the systems that have oppressed us, it becomes hard to sort it out when people are telling you one thing or your religion is telling you one thing and then you're, you're feeling another way, it's a struggle to come to your own identity. So it's a whole process to get to know someone in that, to someone to themselves in that way. It's a process. So we have to allow for room for that. But I guess what I want to be careful about is that we don't label that as, see, you're, there's something wrong with you. You're mentally ill or you're, there's something wrong because you don't know it. You know, the truth is more, more than not, they do know it. They're just, they're just having struggle with finding the right words and finding a way to really wrap them, their, themselves around this thing that is so demonized and so, so you know, misunderstood. So it's, it's more about that, in my opinion, working with people than anything else. But yes, we do need to give them a wide berth to figure it out. And isn't that just the respect we'd give anyone else? Right. Now, is it, do you think it's... Easier or harder for younger children to go through that process? Because I feel that, and I've heard from parents who've said that my daughter, female by birth, thinks she's a boy and she wants to dress like a boy and she doesn't, she's not interested in the stereotypic girls' things. Um, is that a phase? Does she really know? Um, because at that point, they don't necessarily have the words. Exactly. They don't have the words, but I would argue, and that kind of brings me to one of my other, um, my other mythologies, that children are too young to know what their gender identity is. <laughs> I really believe that quite the opposite is true. Children are in a better position to know because they're closer to source. They're closer to that, that point of, of purity and innocence that we're all born with, that, that we know who we are. We don't have verbiage for it that young because why would we? We're just learning language. But there's a knowing that exists in them that has not been dismissed or beaten out of them. I, 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 it's just the, the world changes you as you become an adult. You learn how to conform. You learn what's acceptable, what's not. When you're a child, everything is just play. It's just fun. It's just easy or it should be. And so they, they, they really do know who they are. And so I'm not saying all kids who exhibit behavior where, where they, they feel like they, they need to dress as the opposite sex periodically, they need to play with differently gendered, I'll put in quotes, toys, that they're all transgender. Of course not, because there's stages in, in, in psychosocial development with children. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying that there are there is, there is um, more attention to this idea of adultism that children don't know who they are. And I would argue that's, 
that's really just not true. In my experience, it's really not true. Okay, that's a great point. And we have to go to a quick commercial break. So we're going to continue this when we come back. Please don't go away. We'll be right back to talk some more with Heather Eslian. This is Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Vidisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC, managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please feel free to get in touch with me via email at drv4kids at yahoo.com if you have any questions or comments. I'm here with Heather Eslian, and who is a therapist and specialist working with transgender children and an educator on gender inequity. And we've been having a slightly more in-depth discussion today than we did the last time Heather was with us. So we were talking about various myths associated with the trans community. And I wanted to ask you if you could mention a few more for us. Sure. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about transitioning. Um, it, it, often people, you know, have these questions about it, and, and, and it's natural to have curiosities. Although I will say when we get into allyship and we talk about that a little bit, what's appropriate to ask and what isn't is something I'll go into. But, but the idea that people have that is tradition, transitioning is only about medical procedures or surgeries or hormones. And, I'm, and the thing is, we really cannot stress enough Trans experience is individualistic as, as, as all experience in the human planet. It's all individual. And so there's no one way to be trans. There's no one way to, to journey that journey. Everyone has a different experience. And so some people do require um, HRT for hormone replacement therapy. They require um, medic, you know, different surgeries um, on the body to really fully um, align their inner and outer experiences, but not all people feel that way. Some people just identify as trans, and they they are okay with the bodies that they have been born into. Some degree, various you know, various uh, with various uh, in, in, you know different intonations. I mean, some people have issues with certain body parts and not other body parts. So it's very complicated. Your your personal feeling about your gender is a very personal, very um, vulnerable thing. And so, and I want to make clear that, you know, even if someone wants surgery, even if someone wants to transition medically, there are so many barriers to healthcare for trans people, especially currently with what's going on in the country. There's so many barriers to healthcare for them. 
and um, and and that and that brings up also familial barriers with family and culture and and what's accepted and what's not. And so there's just so many things to think about for them that you have to remember this is this is not just an easy oh you're trans male so therefore you want to get phalloplasty or oh you're trans female so you must want to get vaginoplasty. This it's not that's not true. It just isn't true. Everyone's experience is very individual, and I can't stress that enough. And I imagine, um, especially in school, middle school, high school, there are a lot of social issues that come to play, and you really have to have the support of your family because um, it's, it seems like every part of the individual is impacted if they choose to go through some of those surgical procedures. Correct. And children, of course, are not going to be going through these procedures. I mean, the, the, the reality is that, that uh, a child can be put on puberty blockers at, say, 11 or 12 before puberty hits, which can act as a delay for their puberty to give them some time to make sure this is the right path for them. Okay. Um, once they get to be 15 or 16, they can actually go on HRT, which is a little bit, you know, that's, that's the equalizing hormone. So if they're, say, if they identify as trans male, they're going to go on testosterone. If they identify as trans female, they'll be going on estrogen and a T blocker. But, but again, so it, it oftentimes, more often than not, this, this is happening more for people that are older. The surgeries and all that is 18 and up, basically. I mean, there are some exceptions and, and, and the rules are changing. Because again, we want people to feel comfortable in their bodies. That's the, that's the end goal. We don't want to prolong their suffering. But there are some stages at which this is medically um, available, let's just say. And it's, it's different based on a lot of different things. I won't go into all of it because there's regional differences, there's cultural differences. But essentially, we're talking about more adults here when we talk about surgical procedures. But just okay. to caveat that. Okay. Well, that's important to know because um, there are some middle and high school students that I personally have seen that have gone through a transition, but I don't know, I didn't know them well enough to ask them any questions about what level of transition, but they definitely looked very different after the course of four to five years. So um, right. I, don't, I don't know if it was surgery or if it was just uh, through hormone replacement. Um, right, right, right. And, and, and you don't know until you have a, you know, you'd be able to ask, them and you know you're either as a therapist you can ask those questions right right but as a just a general person you wouldn't want to do that but yes exactly that's yeah there's just again I can't stress enough the variance in the individual experience here yeah that it's seems very, that, very, that, very, that um, that's a point that is running through all of this conversation is okay. that it this is a very personal topic and very. it's important for all of us to be mindful for ourselves and for everyone around us I mean it's really just it's all in how we treat people and exactly, exactly. maintaining our respect at every level. Um, I would like to hear some guidance from you on how, whether it's adults or peers for children or anybody, how individuals can, can be helpful in this process and how we can know what to say, what not to say. Um, exactly. What are your what type of advice would you would you give us? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, most well-meaning people, most cis folks who are well-meaning, want to be good allies. They want to do the right thing, and I always like to stress in this part of the conversation that I am a cisgendered person. So I do not pretend to know the experiences personally. Of, of a trans individual. However, I have worked with this population for quite a while now. I have heard story after story, had experience after experience. So that is, I have a deep empathy for their struggle. And I'm also a member of the LGB community. So there's a, there's a sisterhood there, if you will. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's, some, there's some commonality, although I will say really unequivocally, I don't pretend to know what the uh, trans experience is. I couldn't possibly because I'm not trans. So I just like to say that because it leads to my, my discussion about allyship. So it, in order to be a good ally, I think the most important thing one can do is to listen to trans folks. They are the best sources on their own experiences, period. 
And, you know, people will say to me, well, I've never met a trans person. And I always say that you know of, you don't know, they don't have signs around their necks. You don't know. Trust me, you have met them. They are in the population. They blend, they, 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 you know, you don't know, you don't know. You just cannot tell by looking at someone. So I encourage people in that position who are curious and open-minded to go onto YouTube, to listen to some of the thousands of videos of trans folks uh, sharing their experiences. There's so much material out there. Read a book written by a trans person. Amazon has tons of these things on lists. You know, get yourself educated on it. Don't rely on the trans person you may or may know in your workplace or, or your church to educate you. It's not their job you know, as the token minority in the room <laughs> to do that for you. And, and the truth is they're not the only ones that can because it's, it's just their experience. They can't give you the broad experience because they're one person. I was just going to say that as well. I was thinking to myself, that's their experience. And given that this is such a unique journey, they can only speak for themselves. <laughs> exactly. As, 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 only all of us can we can only speak for ourselves we might be the member of a different of of a race of a of a religion but we can't speak for all of those folks we can only speak for our own individual experience well that's great advice listening is always important in um not just in therapeutic session uh sessions but everywhere it really it it helps remove the miscommunication if we learn to listen really well Indeed, indeed. Um, I will say too, another thing is it's okay to make a mistake. You know, owning it and resolving to do better are what matters most. Do your research. There are so many good resources out there, websites, books, documentaries about the trans experience. Email me and I will send you my list. You know, <laughs> just, just it's, it's, there's, there's no excuse anymore. You're, nobody's under a rock with this stuff. It, it's available to all of us at our fingertips. Um, but what I would strive for people to understand is it's not okay to ask inappropriate questions, despite your curiosity, uh, that you would never ask a cis person. So I would never ask uh, uh, anyone about their surgeries and their genitals, their sexual orientation. These are personal things. And oftentimes trans people are, are subject to a lot of questions from their family members, from their well-meaning friends, from strangers even, who 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 will say these things because they're curious, but what they don't realize is within their curiosity, they're actually creating a dehumanizing experience because they're basically distilling the person down to body parts instead of respecting their personal and private information, which you would never, like I said, ask a cis person about those, those vulnerable things. So we have to remember that they're, they're people just like we are. You know, that sounds silly. Of course, they're people. But it, it, is it really silly when they're not treated like people a lot of the time? There is a huge um, discrepancy in how trans people are treated. We have to be um, aware of that and, and, and awake to that fact. So. Well, and I think, again, this is a transitioning society in the sense that we are, the, the younger people in our society, this is more, uh, this is just the life that they know. Um, they know that people are different and they're, they're okay with it. So it's really the older generations, I think, that probably struggle with it more. Correct. Um, correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think if, you know, when... It's just a learning curve, like you mentioned. And I think it's important, as with anything, if you want information, go out and do the research <laughs> or, or ask somebody that you know well enough that it's comfortable to ask those questions too. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I do a lot of just, just basic consults with, with, with family members who may not want therapy per se, but they want to have some psychoeducation, some understanding of what their, their loved one is going through. And so that's a big part of my job too, just educating them on these things so that they do go to the right sources, so they do get the correct information. Um, so another, another piece of this puzzle to being a good ally, I would suggest, you know, we can all stand up. We can all, all of us with privilege, with cisgendered privilege, can, can stand up and challenge anti-trans remarks or jokes that you would hear around the water cooler or in your place of work or in your church or, or, or in your community center. Um, just like you would, I would hope, challenged racially inappropriate ones. It's the same thing. If you want to be a good ally, you need to stand up 
and say, you know, I don't appreciate that kind of language here. I mean, I've had to do that so many times in Sarasota, I can't even count. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it happens all the time to me. And I have no trouble doing that because this is my passion and this is my life's work, but I know it can be challenging for people. But it's important. It's, it's, an, it's a piece of your integrity to stand up and, and do the right thing, I believe. And as an ally, you can use your privilege for good. But first, you must acknowledge it and begin to understand it better. And that's where the education comes in. Okay, so that's, and that's akin to the, to the bystander in a bullying situation. And the bystander has equal responsibility in, Indeed. in, in transforming that situation so that it, this is really no different. So it, it really isn't, no. No, and um, th there's there's many more ways you can be a good ally. Allyship is something that is I, I like to say it's a it's it's a verb. It's not a noun. It requires action on the part of all of us with cis and heterosexual privilege to go outside of ourselves to get the information so that we do make good allies, so that we can actively be allies for this population because they need good allies. We we are in they're in the fight of their lives right now. I mean, on many, many levels in this country. And so it's very important that we do the right thing as concerned citizens, as, as compassionate people on the planet. Those are great points. Those are great points. Um, so do you have any, any more points to add in on being a good ally that oh, you'd like our listeners to, to know? Yeah, I think... I think that we, we kind of, um, we probably in the interest of time, maybe we should just kind of call it down. I think the last thing was I was going to say something about, um, you know, don't, don't speculate or gossip uh, about someone you suspect is trans, because again, it is a deeply personal matter and it can be such an invasion of privacy, but more importantly, it can be positively dangerous in a transphobic culture. Um, because people lose their jobs, they lose their friends, they can lose their families, they can lose their very lives when they're outed. It's, 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 it's not an overstatement on any level. So this is a serious safety concern. So it's super important for people to respect that and to, to know that this is, this is a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a serious matter. Well, I think this has been incredibly helpful. Um, the themes that I'm hearing through all of this is recognize that everyone is unique. Everyone has an individual journey, um, no matter who they are. And in this topic of gender identity and sexual orientation and discovering who you are as a person, um, it's especially difficult, but we can all help each other. Um, by listening, by being respectful, and um, allowing people the space, I would say, to to have the time and the safety to to explore and discover who they are for themselves. Um, so right, probably right. some acceptance in there and some forgiveness. Um, compassion, I think. Compassion is a key thing here. You know it. It's just so important to have self-compassion and, and, and have compassion for, for the others in one's life because that's how this planet's going to heal, in my opinion. Right. It's, it's, it's through compassionate, compassionate behaviors and, and really looking inward to see, you know, how can I, how can I help make this situation better instead of, instead of walking away with, with a feeling of, you know, I can't, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm angry about that. You know, what is the other person feeling? I mean, I, I say this for everything in life. Look at, look outside ourselves to see how we can heal the situation. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Heather, and continuing this conversation. Heather Eslian is a therapist and a specialist on challenges of transgender youth and the inequities faced by these vulnerable populations. Um, I appreciate all of you listening to us today on Perspectives. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host, and I look forward to being back with you next week. Feel free to email me at drvforkids at yahoo.com with any questions or comments. Have a wonderful week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.